Hello and welcome to A Brave Space Podcast with Dr. Catherine Meeks. I'm your host, Chelsea Glasgow. Hello, Dr. Meeks. Hello, Chelsea. Good to hear you. Good to hear you as well. Listen, I'm so glad that you're here, as well as our special guest, the Right Reverend Dr. Dee Dee Duncan Proby, who is here with us. And if you listen to our previous episode, you already know about the rich conversation that we had regarding the church, beloved community, and how we can really go back to the way of Christ and learning how to love our neighbor properly. However, um, today we want to continue that conversation, and I want to go ahead and jump right in. Um, if you don't know the right Reverend Dr. Dee Dee Duncan Proby, please go back to our previous episode and find out more about her. But we're going to jump right into this conversation, and I want to open it up with the question, how is the work of racial healing related to our gospel work. And what are those connections, right? A lot of times we talk about racial healing as if it's in its own compartment, as if it's in its own category. And then we talk about our gospel work, right? As if it's confined to the walls of the church. But now we are discovering, we are bringing out the fact that both of them, racial healing and our gospel work is connected. So I'm going to go ahead and open this question up. Um, Bishop Didi, I would love for you to open and start to crack a wide open. And then after Dr. Meeks, you can chime in. So please tell us your thoughts on how is the work of racial healing related to our gospel work? Well, thank you, Chelsea. It's really an honor to be here and to talk about such an important topic. Um, Racial justice and the gospel are one and the same. Uh, To talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ is to talk about forgiveness and, you know, do not talk about the, 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 you know, the sin of another person who has the first, you know, no sin throwing the first stone. You can look at any part of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're going to find Jesus uh, telling us, encouraging us, urging us that our relationship with one another is the gospel. So how we treat our neighbors and not the neighbors we like or the neighbors we prefer, all our neighbors, all people, uh, whether we know them or not, are our neighbors. And so those first two commandments, uh, everything else depends upon that. And so our work of racial uh, of healing that a racial injustices of the world is fundamental to the gospel and cannot be separated, even though our um, discomfort or ignorance or uh, selfishness may want it to be so. Um, we are called to be people uh, uh, healing the breach, as it were, to be in that work of reconciliation. Absolutely. Dr. Meeks, what are your thoughts on the question of how racial healing is related to our gospel work? Well, I agree with Didi completely about that, that in the way that's intertwined. And I think, too, that oftentimes we don't have a clearer, clear enough sense of the necessity for us to do that work in order to be well people. I think we 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 have lost touch with the understanding of how we are all connected to one another, and if you're walking around with uh, not being in a good place as my sister, then I can't be all that I'm supposed to be. And coming to terms with that understanding has certainly been liberating for me. 
and I think there's a the part of the big problem that we have in the in the world and in the church and and just even in our own selves is really really and truly engaging in understanding the truth of that that we are connected and if I'm going to try to be who God put me on the earth to be if I want to be a well person I've got to deal with that that reality and I have to deal with everybody in uh, underneath that umbrella of of that reality you know i i often say that when jesus is asking the the gentleman at the pool of bethsaida do you want to be well do you want to be healed for me that's one of the most profound questions in the entire new testament because wanting to be healed if you really first you've got to really answer that question do do i really want this and then what will I what does it take to do to get well and am I willing to do it? And and following Jesus Christ for me is about trying to say yes to those to that question. Yes, I want to be well and I want to do I want to have the courage to do whatever it is that I've got to do to get there. So all the work that I do at the Center for Racial Healing, all of the speaking, all of the writing, all of the thinking, all of it is about trying to answer that. Do we, do I want to be well? And getting people to pose that question for themselves, to take it as their own question, and then to, to engage it. And, and, and we can do it because of the grace that God has made possible to us. That, that's the good news. That, that to me is the good news. We can do this, but we can't do it without that grace because it's too hard, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Wow. Dr. Meeks, that was, you, you just took me to church on, you know, for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> I loved, I really do love that because as we talk about our, baptis- our baptismal call and our baptismal covenant, you know, what is that? That is our call to be well, right? It's us figuring out and learning about the love of God that makes us whole, that makes us well, um, and being active in discovering that. And one of the things that I love that Bishop Didi, you said that one of our responsibilities as we get well is to love our neighbor and not just the ones that we like. And, you know, and we're seeing that there's an issue, if there's a gap um, within our, within the Christian community, it is that we are not um, understanding the relationship between people and, re- and, and what we call ourselves being religious, right? We're, we're not bridging that gap, that the answer to all of this is to live in beloved community. But if that was so easy, it would already be done. So what are some of the gaps that you guys have seen? I know, you know, one of those gaps is, of course, ignorant, not knowing that, hey, you have to be in beloved community to get well, right? But what are some other some of the other gaps that you guys have noticed that has prevented us from moving forward um, and being well? Well, it's a very long list, Chelsea. I don't know if we have long <laughs> time. On the um, but I, you know, I the thing that that especially this week, you know, in speaking about freedom and independence, um, a lot of times we get, uh, you know, corrupted by this idea of rugged individualism that that being free means I can do whatever I want. That um, being independent means that I'm dependent on no one, and and our uh, bad theology about that is really a hindrance. Uh, and it's a bad ideology because because it's it's just a lie. You know, it's just not true. 
Um, I'm dependent on people who, um, you know, pave the roads or, or people who there's all kinds of we're interdependent. And we and with COVID, if ever there was a time when it, the clarity of dependence upon one another was so evident and still uh, it was hard for some to accept that. You know, it was easier to say it's a myth or it's this or it's that rather than recognize the vulnerability of humanity, that we're vulnerable together, that we are equal together, that there's, you know, um, and then that we're unequal, that the access to medical care or the access to, um, you know, uh, testing, um, that those places where racism has been unseen. Um, a friend of mine said that he felt that COVID was a revealer and a teacher. It revealed where those inadequacies are, and it teaches us what we don't already, what we don't really know. Um, so I think in this time, um, you know, what you just said is so important. You know, we um, we cannot be holding what what Catherine said. If if my neighbor is suffering, I may be able to isolate and say, "Well, I'm not suffering," but what I'm not seeing is that loss of relationship or opportunity or the ways in which that person might be edifying the world and me along with it. Yes. And, and, and also Didi, I would add the, to, to the list of things that the long list and you're right, we, we would need to do five podcasts and still wouldn't exhaust the list. But one of the big pieces on that list is, is fear, I think. And the, the deep kind of, fear that we have allowed ourselves to fall into and uh, and you know we have all these polarizing uh positions that are designed to help us deal with the basic fear of each other and and again it comes back to coming to grips with some of that and really digging inside of ourselves to see what is it in me that's making me look at my brother across the way and and can't see that that's another human being. I just see somebody who's a danger to me or who's going to take something from me. And and we let ourselves become pawns in this in this game that's being played of where people are just basically interested in maintaining their own power bases and and using uh, their fear mongering as a part of the way to do that. And that's why I think it's so critical for on Sunday mornings or Monday mornings or whenever somebody is standing up to preach for people to call us into accountability about that. And it goes back, Didi, to the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I see you as a as a bishop holding up that standard to your clergy of being courageous and getting on this track in a different way and seeing your work as being the work of supporting people in doing that. Because I do think that we find a lot of fear, even in the folks that are supposed to be telling us that fear is not what God is calling us to. Yes, that's very true, Catherine. I mean, I think fear, you know, there are times when I've gotten up to preach and I've had, you know, putting it in an old fashioned way, a word on my heart, and I'm looking at the people in the parish knowing that they're not going to be too keen on that word in my heart. <laughs> it, might, it might be a little bit, you know, convicting, 
and not quite what they wanted to hear me say. And, you know, and there have been moments where I have faltered, you know, and I've hesitated and, and tried to couch it in gentler terms or say it a nicer way. And the, the longer that I preach and the longer I'm in ministry, the more I have come to recognize that's my own repentance that needs to happen. Um, that when, when there is something that has been put on my heart to say, it's my responsibility to say it, no matter how afraid I am um, that it may offend. Because when it's said in love with grace, not to go out of your way to say harsh things, but to say it with grace seasoned with salt, as scripture would say, and to have courage that our calling, we're not called to comfortable. You know, we're called to proclamation. And and that uh, whenever I have um, just stepped into that space and said, what I thought might not be too positively received. Um, I've had, I've been surprised sometimes by the uh, transformation of it. Sometimes people have told me they're not too pleased with it, but, um, but that's okay because, um, you know, we're, this isn't a popularity contest. Um, so it's, and, and I'm responsible. I think we're all responsible to God for the words, you know, uh, Richard Rohr talks about the words and our thoughts become words on our lips. The words on our lips become actions and our actions become our character. And, um, and to, to not forget that, that um, we're called to proclamation of Jesus. And, and God promises us to be with us, not that we'll be comfortable, not that we'll always have people being receptive or get pats on the back or, be liked or any of those. I, I've never seen any promises for that anywhere in scripture. The only the only thing I've seen is that I will be with you. You know, that God will be present. God will be present. And and as, as C. G. Jung says, called or not called, God will be present. And so I and standing in that, standing in the faith of that is so important, I, I think, for us if we're going to be able to bear witness to the brokenness in the world, that there is some some way to get help, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bishop D.D., you said two things that I want to highlight, um, and that is, number one, the vulnerability of humanity. Um, and how we are to be vulnerable. And that's how we can reach, you know, our journey to wellness, right? That's how we can be well if we are vulnerable. And so many times we are afraid, like Dr. Meeks has said, we're afraid to love our neighbor. We're afraid to what that's going to look like. We're afraid of, you know, unlearning some things that we thought of our whole life and then figuring out, hey, that's a new thought. That's a new way of doing things. That's okay. We're afraid. And uh, the second thing that you said, Bishop Didi, was, you know, we're called not to be comfortable, but we're called to proclamation. And a part of that, you know, and, and so I think you're so brave for standing up and continuously going in front of a congregation and and speaking um, truth to power. And, and when you're doing that, you are being brave, um, you're proclaiming, and I believe it's an act of love. You know, so many times we think that when we're loving our neighbor, we're just soothing them. But another part of loving our neighbor is telling them the truth 
And in, in order to do that part of love, we have to be brave. Um, and so I just want to thank you both, Dr. Meese and Bishop Didi, um, for always I have witnessed, you know, I've witnessed firsthand uh, Dr. Meeks, right, just working alongside of her, um, just always being brave to speak truth in areas that are uncomfortable. And that's where it starts, um, you know, from clergy on down. So thank you guys so much. I just wanted to highlight those two things. Were there any thoughts? Well, I really appreciate you highlighting. I think it is the call of all Christians to use our words and our voices and our the, the things at our disposal, our writing, our posting um, for those proclamations and to think about ways in which we are part of transformation and where we may be part of the problem and to have a repentant heart, you know, um, and not, uh, you know, the repentance I loved when I first learned, you know, the turning back to God with sorrow or, or uh, really the one I use most often when I preach is the Greek uh, understanding of repentance, which, which is to change our mind. Um, we need to change our mind that, that as you said so well, Chelsea, loving our neighbor doesn't mean pacifying. It doesn't mean agreeing. It doesn't mean giving up our point of reference. Loving our neighbor sometimes means saying no. Loving our neighbor sometimes means saying, I hear what you're saying and I disagree. Um, and those are, as Catherine said, places of fear, but God's just on the other side of the fear. You know, and if we want to encounter Jesus, then Jesus is on the other side of that fear and not bound by it. And and I, I just love that, Dee Dee. See, I could just listen to you talk all day too. <laughs> and the the thing about the thing about it, the thing, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking it it is the challenge is being willing to hold all, all of these things and keep on going forward. We don't go forward feeling like we're brave, uh, always brave people. We go forward in fear and trembling often, in fear and trembling, believing that God was there the last time and we really are counting on God being there the next time and God keeps showing up. And so, you know, it's not, it's, it's that whole thing about God's strength being made perfect in our weakness, you know, and acknowledging that and walking in the humility of that, that I think gets back to kind of uh, affirming that we're all vulnerable, we're all broken, wounded, and we've got hope because we see the light. And and that light gives us courage. And, gives, and then people who have no point of reference for that can look at us and say, what is it about these folks? We want to we want to know more. You know that they, we sing this song about they'll they'll recognize us because of the way we love each other. That folks who who are outside the circle of faith will see, but they don't get to see much nowadays because we're so busy trying not to show anything. And and I think that one of the I hope that that uh, as we reemerge from this forced hibernation that we've been in for the last 15 months, that we will bring some new light with us. I hope we'll, I hope that'll happen. Mm -hmm. 
for sure. And we sure will. Um, well, listen, ladies, we are coming to the end of this podcast episode. It has been so enlightening. I have a page here full of notes. So I've been to both school and church. Um, so thank you all so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, listen, are there any final words that um, Bishop Didi that you have for our audience today? Well, I would want to affirm that, you know, the world's going to tell you, you're not enough. You're not tall enough, skinny enough, smart enough, fast enough. And the world's going to tell you that the gospel of Jesus is outmoded, outdated, and not really relevant to this time. And, and God wants us all to know that's not true. That we've been created by God as enough because God is enough. That the gospel of Jesus is as relevant now as it's ever been, and that our proclamations, that it's, it's when we live for Jesus, we'll find resurrection and life and wholeness, and as Catherine says, healing. I agree with her 100%. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about healing and the healing of relationships, relationships, relationships. So for your listeners, know that you are enough, that God in you is enough, and to be courageous, and as you say, brave. And and Chelsea, just think about what a wonderful, wonderful gift the the Diocese of Central New York has in having this this marvelous sister as the the leader. We we've got to have much much more of this kind of courageous leadership. And Didi, I'm just I'm so so proud to know you, and so thankful that you are being the the person that that you are and leading your diocese as you are. And I want to be a part of that any, in any way, in any time. And, and we want to keep on talking to you for many, many more times. I love it, Catherine. And that's, I'm humbled by that and grateful because I feel exactly the same way. You are such a blessing to us all. And I'm grateful. Oh, oh, I love the love. I love the love. Yeah. Well, and Chelsea, <laughs> you're just the best. You're just the oh, best, of course, always. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you guys so much. Um, thank you both for, like I said, just continuing to be brave and standing as an example and a pillar um, for all to see on how we should walk uh, and take our walk back to Christ um, and get back to the way. And again, live in beloved community and be brave so that we can do it effectively. Thank you all so much. And thank you listeners for taking your time out um, to listen and learn. You could be anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us and we definitely appreciate you for that. We hope that this episode has challenged you in ways that cause you to think and live differently. And of course, more bravely, if you want to continue this conversation. Make sure that you are following us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. It's Center for Racial Healing. And on our website, it's www.centerforracialhealing.org. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in. And until next time, remember to always be brave and tell the truth.